Welcome to the show where three friends rate, debate, and investigate the films you'll love to see and hate to see. This is You'll Love to See It. So I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnett points and rebounds. What do you know? I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. It's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. You having a good time? Yes. Good morning, and welcome to You Love to See It. It is morning for us, at least. Well, I guess noon. <laughs> but we could uh, get doxxed. <laughs> we could. We've already we've already had this discussion. We Certainly feels doxed. like morning. I might as well just give them our address while it is social security number, all that thing. Okay, no, that don't, don't. That's that's a joke. My social security number is one eight. No, okay. Gotcha. You can do a lot with the first two digits of a social security number, Zach. Did you know? You wouldn't download a car, so why would you download a movie? <laughs> As you can wait, see, wait, it's wait. quite early. Have you ever seen those old piracy ads from downloading movies? It's like you wouldn't download a house illegally. <laughs> have you not seen those? I have not, but I Dude, must say that's a pretty compelling <laughs> argument right there. Remind me after this episode to show you because they are hilarious because you're like, you're right. I wouldn't download a house legally. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that's a really, that's a really tight <laughs> argument there. Oh man, I think we should play that as the outro. That it might be, it might be. Anyways, uh, today will be, uh, I guess, episode four. I think officially, um, and we're going to be talking about. Actually, no, it is. Oh, oh yeah, technically, no, with right. yeah. yeah, don't come on, come on. I know. <clears throat> Anyways, we're going to be talking about. The movie we just saw together last night at a early showing at the ArcLight, um, and Cinerama we had a special Dome. guest uh, there. There was a Q&A with uh, Adam Sandler and the Softy Brothers, and so we will be talking today about Uncut Gems. But to kick it off, uh, since the movie does star Adam Sandler, we were going to talk about our favorite um, Adam Sandler movie. All right, Eric, do you want to start us off? I honestly have not seen many Adam Sandler movies, so I've really only seen the Just the sad. good ones. Oh, please. Um, <laughs> he has plenty of good ones. Uh, so I guess I have to go with Punch Drunk Love, BTA. Um, it's self-explanatory. It's essential viewing. Barry Egan, plunger salesman, lives in Southern California. Um, he's got, like, social anxiety. And... He meets this um, coworker of his sort of sort. Of, what do you call his sister? Like abusive, sort of abusive. Like his abusive sister, and it's about their budding romance as he is trying to take advantage of a pudding for airline miles scheme, while also dealing with a sex line he called that has um, now taken his identity and credit card number. And is now sending people after him with this ringleader of the sex ring, um, this sex line run by Philip Seymour Hoffman himself. 
So what you're saying is that this is an Adam Sandler documentary. Oh, obviously. Except I don't know if uh, some of the stuff he shared with us yesterday would be would be what Barry does in this movie. <laughs> Alas. All right. Okay, well. well, since Eric took the only good Adam Sandler movie, um, I'll go with an old childhood favorite of mine in Just Go With It. Um, I am actually a little fuzzy on the details, but I remember this this being one that uh that I that I enjoyed as opposed to some of his other uh old comedies. Uh basically I just remember that um Adam Sandler has to convince Jennifer Aniston to pretend to be his wife so he could pick up ex-wife, right? Cuz remember he's isn't he that he's like so he's pretending throughout the beginning he's pretending to be Getting a divorce, meeting oh, single yes, women. That's it. And then like that's it. he meets her and she's like, Oh, I wanna see your he like says that he has kids and an ex wife and she's like, Oh, I wanna meet her and like meet your kids. Which is and, crazy. But. Yeah. Um yeah, and it's it's just got a stacked cast. Sandler, Aniston, Nicole Kidman. Are they a common duo? Like Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston? I don't think they've been in too many movies. Honestly, I can't name another one that they were in together. Murder mystery. Okay, but th- that's like a newer combination because I don't think they were in many older movies together. That's the only two I can think of. They weren't in any other. Anyway, twelve-year-old me was uh, was 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 learning a lot about the world through just go with it, and I feel that has definitely shaped my. Uh, <laughs> my growth as a person so take that as you will probably don't watch it but it's not a bad movie it's an okay it's like a solid like um late night sure ro- is it like a romance movie zach you gave it Comedy. two stars it's not that busted <laughs> <laughs> okay wait you don't just call out a man for his two stars it's not a bad film though also, I can't believe that film came out when we were 12. I feel like it came out like three years ago. It's 2011. Well, yeah, I, I, I think I first watched it on a plane. Or Caleb, now everyone knows how old you are. Uh, I did not watch it in theaters, so you don't know how old I am. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, as the only real Adam Sandler fan here, I will be talking about all of his movies. So, no. Well, in particular... I've seen most of his older comedies, and the one that always sticks with me the most is probably a classic, uh, Happy Gilmore. It's probably one of his most famous movies. It is a very solid movie about a, a guy who tried to be a hockey player, but sucked at hockey, but was just amazing at golf. He just had that, you know, he just had that swing, you know, he could just he could just drive that ball for hundreds and hundreds of yards and he uh, was pretty great at it, and it's a it's a pretty fun movie overall. And uh, the guy's got uh, his name's Happy, obviously, and uh, he has a lot of anger issues that pop up throughout the film, like uh, you know punching random people on the uh, on the golf course and things like that. But overall, it's a it's a fun movie, and it's uh, probably one of Adam Sandler's best you know comedic roles of the time, where it's just very like. I don't know. It's very relaxed and honestly pretty funny. 
I know, Caleb, you don't like this movie, but, you know, you're just not cultured like I am, and, you know, you're missing out a lot. Well, that sounds about right. All right. Well, with that, let us talk Uncut Gems. Uh, This is obviously a movie we were looking forward to for quite some time, and uh, this is, we got to see an early viewing of the movie, I guess early-ish, right? I, it's really just the limited release. Yeah, limited release. So, you know, we may be one of a few who are actually giving a recorded review this early, but uh, we just wanted to... I hope we're not under, like, review. No, we aren't. Never mind. <laughs> Uh-oh. No. We didn't sign anything. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, so, yeah, uh... I gave a summary of the last movie. Caleb, do you want to give a little bit of a summary of uh, Uncut Gems for Uncut viewers? Gems follows uh, Howard Ratner, uh, who works in the Diamond District. I think it's the Jewelry District. Jewelry District. Is it? I I don't know. It is, uh, yeah. 47th Street in New York. Chirp, chirp. (laughs) He's also, is he 47 years old? Adam Sandler or in the, the his character he's in his now he's, he's 40, 48 shoot that's okay was he I don't think they ever said his age it was, it's he's... in the very first scene on the on the colonoscopy page spoiler oh. alert he gets a colonoscopy <laughs> so it's really important so if you weren't already rushing to see this Adam Sandler gets a colonoscopy spoiler alert if you like fish there's some fish abuse in this movie <laughs> Anyway, this movie follows Howard Radner, played by Adam Sandler, as he navigates through uh, debt and gambling addiction and tries to sell this uncut gem. And he just gets into a lot of hijinks. And uh, every time you think he's, uh, you know, backed himself into a corner, he finds a way out. And it's it's very exciting. It's very tense. Uh, the Safdie brothers really keep you on the edge of your seat the whole time. And Sandler turns in a, a pretty remarkable performance. Uh, anything else to add there? No, I summary? think that's it. Um, you know, I have a lot to say about this movie just in the fact that it was a, it was such a fun movie to watch in a very stressful way. Like, it was just... I, I really enjoyed it um, overall. Um, you know, I'm not saying it was without fault by any means, but I thought there it was uh, one of the first times I'd noticed in a movie in a while that I was very much stressed. Um, I kind of wanted to start this off with a question that you two would be able to answer more than me since I haven't seen uh, Punch Drunk Love. And that is, you know, I know you know I might be skipping a lot so far, but I kind of wanted to just talk about Adam Sandler's performance. And more so, I want to ask you both, starting with Eric, is this better than his performance in Punk Punch Drunk Love? And is this Adam Sandler's best performance on the screen of all time? I don't know if you can necessarily compare them. They're really like exact opposites. Adam Sandler in this movie, he's rowdy. He's like he's a gambler, so he's incredibly optimistic until he's just like flipping like crazy. Um, whereas in Punch Drunk Love, he's very quiet, he's very shy, he's very, like, erratic, but he's also incredibly reserved. Um, I would say they're 
just incredibly, incredibly different performances. I would say, though, after seeing the Q&A, I would say I have more respect for his performance in Punch Drunk Love because of how different it is from who he is. Whereas I would say Howard's character might be a little closer to his actual personality. Um, but they're both really, really good. I'll take the flip side there. I, I agree they're both they're both very good, but I don't he he certainly uh spoke some Howard esque lines during the Q and A. But I, I felt that was more in service to the movie. I, I think if you really take a look back at his history, uh most of his roles are closer to punch drunk love in that uh man child sense. <laughs> Uh, where, you know, he's just, uh, in Punch Drunk Love, he takes the man-child and turns it into something more dramatic and more nuanced, and that's what makes it uh, better. Whereas here, this is something totally different than than what he's ever done. And I like to think that in the Q&A, when he was kind of in character, it's it's because he was kind of still still in character. Um, but I, I was more impressed, I'd say, by, uh, by Uncut Gems, his performance in Uncut Gems and Punch Drunk Love, because it was more different than, uh, what we are used to seeing. I don't know if it was better, like Eric said, it's hard to compare because they are different, but I, I came away more impressed by his performance in Gems. Yeah, it's absolutely natural. He's just electric. He's just electric. <laughs> he is he's electric. actually he's actually just so good in this. <laughs> no, it it does seem very uh very natural. It's the year of the Adams. The the year of the Adams, Adam Driver, Adam Sandler. But you know, I've never seen Punch Drunk Love. Um and you know, obviously to me then this was Adam Sandler's it had to be his best role I've ever personally seen him in because I've never actually seen him play a very Serious, I would say, but not serious. Like well, Zach, you were just telling us you saw Little Nicky ten times. I did see Little Nicky ten Upwards. times, which is a work of art. And it, it, Adam yeah, Sandler last night, stars. Adam Sandler last night even said it was his best movie he ever made. I don't recall if you remember that. Yeah, and so you, so you would say this performance was even better, oh, just barely. I actually just think barely. he sarcastically said it was the worst movie he ever made. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did say that. I'm not gonna lie. He did say he was saying that he he, he had to make Little Nicky or something like that, which was pretty pretty funny but this was obviously his uh best performance in my opinion that i have ever seen um but i just wanted to start it off with that because obviously you know in a movie like this i feel like could you imagine anyone else in adam sandler's role or do you think he was cast perfectly i could not well and on stage the uh, Softy Brothers talked about when they when they first started writing this script, which I didn't realize how long went into, you know, the script writing process. And I don't know if every movie is really like that. But when they talked about spending 10 years. Now, obviously, it wasn't like dedicated 10 years. Like they were also working on other projects, you know, good time and other things like that. But they spent 10 years with this idea and working on it. And they said from, you know, pretty early on that they wanted Adam Sandler. And, you know, it seems like they kind of knew the image they wanted uh, for the movie. And, I mean, Adam Sandler plays Howard 
perfectly. I, you know, in my opinion, it was it was it was very well done. Um, you know, we won't talk about yet. Uh, you know, is it an Oscar worthy performance? You know, obviously there's a lot that goes into it, but in your opinion, you know, without saying who you think, uh, do do you think this there should be some consideration uh, yes. for for an Oscar? Yes. Do you think that Best Actor will probably be the only category that Uncut Gems will make, or do you yes. think? Um, I could, uh, I probably won't get a score nomination. I I think it would deserve consideration for a nomination. Maybe mostly because this is a pretty weak year in yeah. terms of score. Uh, but it definitely elevated, uh, the atmosphere of the film e- immensely. So oh, ju- just, just really for good. that, yeah, definitely should, should be considered. I think there's also the fact that it looks like A24 is putting most of their um, like campaign weight behind the farewell this year, so Uncut Gems is probably going to be more on the shafted side this year. Yeah, that, I, I, I read something like that, that you know it, it doesn't seem like A24 is really pushing this movie. A24 for just doesn't have as many resources. Like, yeah. like studios like Universal, Lionsgate, like I guess Fox Searchlight. Bef- no, Fox Searchlight still is own thing. Like they have more, they just have more money to campaign for movies, and that's really what matters at the end. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, let's get into the actual movie and talk about <laughs> Uncut Gems. Um, the movie as a whole. So let's let's talk about kind of let's compare this movie a little bit um, to a few other movies. And so you guys have seen uh, the Softy Brothers' only other major release, and that was Good Time, correct? And you would say that both these movies kind of have this major theme of being anxiety-inducing, right? Like you're on the edge of your seat for a good portion of the film or you're spending a lot of time, you know, really thinking, oh, my God, you know, what's going on, you know, things like that. How would you compare this movie to the Softie Brothers, you know, first major release in Good Time? I watched Good Time a while ago. It's got to be like over a year ago. So I don't know if I remember it too well, but I do remember feeling like Good Time is absolutely just amazing for the first 20 or 30 minutes. And then once he, shoot, does he escape and go to that like girl's house? After that, I think where it lost me a little when the anxiety kind of like toned down for me was when they got to the like I don't want to spoil anything but there's a section near like the middle to the end where they're in an amusement park and around then I'd started like losing interest they'd like the pacing I think had just sort of slowed down a bit and I think till then it had really relied on this fast-paced high tension high anxiety sort of filmmaking whereas I think Punch Drunk Love did a much better job of sustaining that um they both have very similar tones um that also comes into the fact that both films have really really striking use of color um good time uses a lot a lot of red whereas this movie prefers to use a lot more blue and i think they have pretty similar scores but definitely a step up personally uh good time was one of my favorites of 2017 um what compelled me uh 
in good time. Well, first, as Eric said, the first 20 minutes of good time are insane. Uh, one of the best sequences uh, I've I've ever seen on film. Uh, but there's there's a huge family dynamic that's explored in good time, uh, which really keeps you invested the whole way through. Uh, you're the the protagonist uh, Connie, who is played excellently by Robert Pattinson. Uh, at, at that time, I would say that was his best performance. Um, he he's just on on a on a search to on on a quest to you know save his brother basically and then there's you know a lot of things that that happen along the way where you know he becomes a more morally ambiguous character but throughout there's this whole idea of family that that keeps you uh that keeps you in it and because you're so invested in that dynamic the the final scene i found was uh hugely impactful and really tied the whole thing together in gems i i didn't the ending didn't impact me as much i think uh in gems the the stressful the anxiety uh the stress and anxiety were kind of just pushed through all the way to the end and then there wasn't a real book end to say you know here's Here's what has come of this story, uh, but it, in in good time there there was a real button to to the story, and, and you actually had a moment to sit and and be affected, and and you know really realize how 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 powerful the story was. So I actually liked Good Time more than Uncut Gems. Uh, really, overall. Overall, yes. Um, but but both are are very well made and uh, both worth a watch, in yeah. my view. Well, I definitely want to get to the ending of Uncut Gems later on, but uh, I want to first start kind of at the beginning of the film because I was very thrown off by the introduction of the film a little bit, and I'm kind of curious what you guys thought about it and if it has a purpose, what purpose it was for, things of that nature. So the film obviously opens up with this kind of short little section about um, Ethiopian miners finding this, you know, gem uh, in the in a mine. And uh, there's this whole, you know, whole section where a miner is obviously like hurt. They bring him out and then two miners go in. They find this gem. And then, you know, you, you have this section where the camera zooms in on the gem and you have this really creative portion of you know the, the clouds and colors inside the gem what did you guys think about that as an opening for this film um in retrospect you know did it fit you know what was its purpose did it what, what do you guys think overall a couple things for me uh there's uh, the obvious plot implications uh, i think it's uh, the 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 opal as as it is deemed is kind of this magical thing magical to to Howard uh because it's going to you know save him from his situation he hopes from from his debt and everyone coming after him uh 
magical to to Kevin Garnett because he truly thinks it makes him play better uh, in this in in this fictional uh, story, and you know you can. I think the whole the the, the Safdie brothers are really trying to boost the. Uh, the mysterious benefits of this of this gem that they're really trying to to show that it's you know got some powers more than just what a rock should have and I think the the way they do that the way they start that is by making it you know the in the within the first scene that you see you you see this gem and uh that it's it's setting up for everything later. You know it's got to come back. You know it's going to be big. It's it's playing into the inevitability of of the gem's power, uh, which I think the the Safdie brothers are trying to build up the whole time, and also it allows for uh, the the zoom into the rock, which you know shows some some crazy visuals uh, that that look really nice. First of all. Uh, but also come back at the end of the movie to kind of, uh, you know, seal it up and ser- serve as a, as a little motif. So uh, yeah, it's 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 there for 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 impact to let you know how important it is and and to set up for later plot points and especially the ending. Yeah, I agree with all that. Something I've definitely been thinking about that I have from fully thought through is whether it's some sort of just added commentary on everything that's happening. There's a really important scene later when shoot, is it Kevin Garnett? Yeah, Kevin Garnett is asking Howard how much he paid the Ethiopians for this for this opal that he hopes to sell for like a million dollars. Um and he ends up saying that he essentially only gave them a hundred thousand and I guess maybe especially with this focus on this Ethiopian miner who's hurt in the process of getting these gems that there's this sort of added layer of if this gem is representing this like unfounded optimism and Sandler's like and it's fueling Sandler's addiction to gambling that ultimately leads to his downfall it's this further added of like other people hurt along the way that maybe he didn't even know about as well as just huh yeah i'm just gonna go with that other people hear it along the way and other dangers yeah well i want to talk about something that we had a discussion about in the car last night um and that is is howard a good person and uh you know we were fortunate enough to hear the q a where um which who was it that said it? Which one of the Softy brothers said? I, I think it was Josh. Yeah, he said that he like inherently believes that Howard. He said Howard has a good heart. Good heart. Good heart. Yeah, and we interpret that as being a good person, but you know maybe a good heart is obviously there is a definitive difference. But you know obviously this whole movie is focused on Howard, and very quickly you see that. He has an addiction to gambling, to, um, you know, trying to kind of play the field with all this money. You know, he's constantly borrowing money, selling things that aren't his to borrow money to later then get back. And, you know, he's, you know, you have all these different things. You have the ring he gets from Kevin Garnett. You have the necklace from The weekend. You have all this stuff. 
And it is assumed, I would say it's more than assumed, that this isn't the first time that Howard is doing this. You know, he's he's been around the block. He's been, you know, kind of doing this for a while. He's obviously got an addiction. Um, and one of the interesting things is, you know, he's taking out all this money and you're wondering what for. And, you know, then he puts, like, I think in one of the opening scenes, he puts 20 grand on this, you know, sports parlay um, just to win more money, possibly money to then pay off. You know, the whole idea is if he can win more money, then he can pay off more people. So he's, you know, in, in initially, you know, it's, it's, in his mind, it's a risk-free kind of double his money, triple his money, you know. Well, not kinda, exactly risk-free. Not exactly risk-free, free, exactly. But in his mind, because he's so optimistic, he's just, you know, this is the way. You know, rather than do what he can to, you know, pay off these people. He's like, let me see if I can do more. You know, let me see if I can, let's see if I can pay off all these people and make some money in the process. Um, But let's talk about Howard as a character and, you know, how we view him. Obviously, he's going around, you know, swindling people, right? He's lying to their face, you know, about having money and things like that. But you never see Howard kind of do anything that is super bad I would say you know like he's never like you're never thinking god this guy is an evil person you know and and, and definitely he's nowhere near uh he, you know he he is the protagonist of this film and he's not the antagonist in any way maybe in some way he's the antagonist in the sense that he's kind of hurting himself right but is he inherently a good person is that what the film wants you to believe or is there more to that? I don't think the film ever wants you to believe that he's actually just a good person. They just want you to see that he has his redeeming qualities. I mean, think of what he's done to his like his marriage. Like he has this other apartment that um, he's cheating on. He that he literally like this girl that he works with that he's like very regularly cheating on his wife with. Literally just lives there. Um, he like cares more about like some like when he's watching that basketball game and he won't go like say goodnight to his kids and he like pretends to and then he's like it's obvious that he has very serious flaws but at other times the film does want you to see that he has redeeming qualities when he like calls to save his kids at the end near the end of the film and honestly like when he saves all the fish in the fish tank immediately after someone like pours lean in the fish tank like that's a heroic act. <laughs> I mean, it is a very selfless act. We talked about that last night. Caleb, what do you think? Yeah, he's he's certainly a, a schemer and an addict, but you don't. Yeah, I, I agree that you don't really see your or you don't see his actions uh, as being motivated by evil. Uh, it, it's obvious. There are obvious problems with with his actions with. With, with what he does, how he treats people. Um, but ultimately, I think he cares about his family. He cares uh, about uh, this girl he works with. Um, he he just... It sounds like... It'll sound like I, I'm, I'm defending him too much, perhaps. Um, but I think he just doesn't know exactly how to 
treat people as well as he should. So there, he definitely is is a problematic character. There, he's he's not, you know, he he is a lot of gray area within him, uh, which I think is just a testament to the writing and the performance. But uh, he's definitely someone you root for, despite his his problems. So that's uh, that always makes or usually makes for an interesting protagonist. And I'd say that is the case here. Now, overall, this film does move, at least I felt, it moves pretty quickly, especially in the beginning. Like, it's it's not necessarily a slow film. It's maybe slow in what is... I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I like it, The film moves quickly, but, like, it's not like a lot is happening. It just, like, feels very fast-paced. Would you agree with that? Like, kind of early on, especially. Um, and... You know, so there's not, it's hard to, I'm trying to think of, you know, specific scenes, but, you know, I guess we could talk about what our favorite and maybe least favorite scenes are of the movie, but I think I want to spend a significant portion of the time, of the time talking about the last 20, 30 minutes of the film, because to me, they were the most, it was the most notable and probably um, what really gives this film its kind of high point. And I know you didn't like the ending as much as you did Good Time, but I'm just kind of curious, you know, especially the last 30 minutes, you're, you've really, you know, you, you spend a lot of this film, you know, seeing Howard in this mess and he's like digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper. And, you know, before the, I guess not even the third, I don't know what you want to call it, but the, before the last 30 minutes, you know, he, he reaches this really kind of low point, you know, like he, you know, he's getting beat up. He's, you know, he's trying to, in some aspect, I don't know if he's really trying to save his marriage. I, you know, I don't know how much I believe that, but you know, he kicks his his girlfriend out. He, you know, all this stuff. He he seems like he's really tr maybe trying to make a change or something like that. You know, he's he's struggling to sell this gem, and you know, all these things keep happening. And then the film reaches this point where it's like, okay, he finally has a way out. And obviously, I want to clarify this is kind of spoilers going ahead you know we're going to get into the ending of this film and uh very big spoilers ahead so uh we'll kind of let you know when we're done talking about spoilers but you know it's very important for for this part of the film but um moving on you get to a point in this film where you finally feel like everything's going to be solved right you know or at least it's not it's maybe a little bit naive but you feel like things are going to be okay, maybe. You know, Kevin Garnett, who does a great job, I think, throughout this movie, comes into the shop finally, and he's like, look, here's 165 grand. I want to buy this gem. And Howard needs to sell this gem after a failed attempt at the auction, everything like that. And at this point, you know, I don't know if you're really convinced that everything's going to be okay, but would you agree that you're kind of like, all right, maybe things are about to turn better, right? In some aspects, it's a weird one for me because, like, I feel like this is the type of movie where you just know after like twenty minutes, like, this isn't gonna end well. Like, it literally just cannot end well. Yet, when the ending finally happens, the way the ending plays out is still surprising, which I think is we talked you talked about this a little yesterday. Like the fact that the fact that the way this film ends. If we're going to spoiler territory, I hope you've, everyone's already seen this. Um, the ending is essentially Howard gets Howard gets shot and killed. Like the fact 
that you know this entire movie that Howard is going to die and that it's still shocking, I think is a testament that the ending was done well. I, I mean, I agree with that. And, you know, I want to I spend some time talking about the last kind of 20-minute sequence. Um, first of all, it's good to know that this the film incorporates, um, obviously, Kevin Garnett as an actor, but playing himself, Kevin Garnett, obviously, because the film has a lot... It, it's interwoven with the what what is going on in the NBA at the time. The film set in 2012, and Howard is making these bets on what's happening in this one specific playoff series. And it's very much important throughout the film that you know Kevin Garnett is you know playing in this series when he has the stone. He's playing very well of the gem from Adam Sandler or sorry Howard. Um, and towards the end. You know, Howard gets this epiphany, I guess, of sorts, that he could obviously sell this gem, which he does, to Kevin Garnett. And while he is about to, or you think about to, give this money finally to the people that have been asking for it and possibly saving his life and, you know, be, being done. You know, in retrospect, it might have saved his life, right? Giving the money up right there and then. But that's not what happens, Correct. You know, what happens instead is Howard sees the fact that Kevin Garnett is only projected, you know, this many points and rebounds. And he says, well, with this stone, Kevin Garnett is, you know, playing out of his mind. So if I take this 165 grand and, and spend it all on this one bet, I could make upwards of a million dollars. And in a very quick fashion... You, at least I felt myself being like, all right, you know, hey, he can give this money, like maybe, you know, I, I don't know if I was ever fully convinced, but then suddenly it's like, you see this kind of look in his eyes and this, the way he starts talking where you're like, he's, this guy's addicted. He's, he's about to do it again. He's about to risk it all just to make more money. And you have this whole sequence and everything like that. So I want to, what do you guys think of that ending? Because I found the ending being the most anxiety inducing overall and I'm not necessarily talking just about the very, very ending, but what do you feel about the last kind of 10, 15, 20 minutes of that film? Uh, well, yeah, like you were saying, I think it really gets you the deepest into into Howard's mind and and how he makes decisions uh, because, yeah, he, he is literally holding perhaps his ticket out of the mess that he created. And, and instead of being content with with just escaping he has to keep on playing and risks his his literal safety net uh which you know and and that i mean that's that's when you really are confirmed like this guy is insane this guy is a complete addict and of course you're still rooting for him uh which which is you know the great part of it um keeping uh, the the people he owes money to trapped uh, between the entrance and exit of his store uh, was was a great uh, <laughs> a, a, gr a great piece of writing uh, keeping the action consolidated in one spot forcing the the loan sharks let's let's call them uh, to to watch Howard watch the game you see them trapped as as Adam Sandler is just losing his mind over a basketball game is is just awesome uh and yeah like you like you mentioned before they when 
uh, when when he hits the parlay, and you know he's you know making all this money back and a lot more, there is a moment where, in theory, everything could turn out all right. Which, again, in theory, should make his death very shortly thereafter uh, more impactful. And I was, I think caught off guard more than I was impacted. Like Eric said, you you knew he, he, he could not survive the end of the movie, and they did catch you by... And, and yet, they caught you by surprise with how kind of sudden uh, his death was and in what position it came because, you know, the, the people who he owed the money just saw him win all that money, and, you know, you they were probably going to get paid and yet they he, he was killed by them anyway so that that definitely caught you by surprise but I didn't find myself as impacted as I thought I would considering how much I cared about his character and I think that's because the tone of leading up to his death of the game of him watching and then of him getting killed was almost identical to me and the tone following that, which which wasn't much time, maybe only a couple minutes before the credits started rolling, was also the same. It felt like nothing had really changed because of his death, which perhaps is, is a statement or an idea the Safdie brothers are trying to convey that, you know, it's all just part of a bigger thing. But since it was such a clear character study of Howard and since he totally totally drove the film I don't think there's there's really one scene in the movie in which he does not appear uh the fact that they didn't even take a moment really to just look at his death and what it means in the scope of the film and the scope of the story in the world in which it takes place that they kind of just treated it as something to happen, even though the story was so focused on Howard. I think that was a bit of a miscalculation and dampened uh, the the effect of, of the ending for me and what could have been, because I was so caught off guard, uh, in, in, what, in what could have been something that, you know, an ending that I, I would have remembered forever. Uh, but I think they played it a little too quickly, a little too similar to the events surrounding it, and as such, I, I felt like they treated it as just as important as as a bet, uh, you know, as as an argument, which you know I think the, I thought life or death should have should have been given in extra due. I'm gonna disagree a little bit, um, but not completely. The more I think about the ending of this film, the the more I like it, but the more I also have a few little issues with it. Um, I was I found myself in the last few minutes getting very excited for Howard. I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like this is it! Like he he won! You know, like he made he he won this parlay, this bet, and 
He's about to walk away with a million dollars. He can pay off everyone. Like, things are good. I don't know if I had really, you know, I knew in the back of my head this was not going to end well from the beginning for Howard. But I thought there was this little glimmer, you know, this little piece of me that was like, maybe he can. Maybe he can walk away from this. You know, maybe, you know, not assuming, I'm not saying that he wouldn't, you know, be back in the same situation eventually, but maybe he can get out of this situation, live another day. I I was very caught off guard. And I would say all of us were probably caught off guard. Um, impacted is definitely a different thing, like you, you said. Very caught off guard with the, you know, him winning this money, you know, saying, you know, hey, I'm about to give you all this, you know, this money and then just immediately getting shot. And it was a moment where I'm like, you see this guy who struggles all this film to to get one thing right, you know, to do one thing right. You know, he, he keeps getting knocked down and knocked down. And you're like, he did it like this for whatever reason, you know, the gen- like, things finally worked out in his favor. And then, you know, he got what maybe was coming to him. You know, he 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 died. You know, did, did he deserve to die? You know, obviously not. But you knew it was kind of coming. And it was still very shocking to me. I did not expect it. Um, and I felt pretty impacted by that. I felt like. You know, it was saying a lot about, you know, a, a guy like Howard who had you know, spent his whole life swindling people and, you know, or at least, you know, a long time, you know, trying to do things his way, finally, you know, got what he wanted. But, you know, in the end, it, it didn't really work out the way he wanted to in, in some aspect. I did have a little bit of a problem with just some of it after I... I I don't know, and I'm kind of curious what you would change, and I know that's a very hard question to answer, Caleb, but I had a a little bit, I felt it was very odd to go from him being shot to then a few scenes showing uh, the girlfriend taking the money and things like that. They kind of like showed him getting shot, you know, showed the reaction from his, we don't know if it's his brother-in-law or who it is, you know, who's kind of also shocked and then also gets shot by these you know, I guess what you would say are They're bookies, bookies um, who would then, you know, rob the store and everything like that. You know, that uh, that was OK for me. I, I was like, you know, but yeah, you know, like not surprised that these people who wanted to get paid finally were fed up. I was a little bit thrown off. I didn't know what to take away from that final few shots of his girlfriend walking out. There was definitely people watching her. I didn't know if the presumption was that she was about to get jumped to and all that money would be taking and taken i don't really know i did feel like it was less impactful but i did really appreciate um that final kind of zoom in on adam sandler's uh character as he's just lying there lifeless you know and they end you know kind of with that that cloud of uh you know colors and things again kind of wrapping it together um eric what did you think kind of about the ending and um i do agree that it, I feel like what it was, it, it it ended a little abruptly, but I don't mind the thing with the girlfriend, especially because it's accompanied with that shot of his son going like, oh, oh, like, oh, crap, we just want it big. It's this idea of all these people that also, like us, were, were rooting for him and still are. I feel like, I feel like it probably just needed 
one more scene. It even could have been optimistic to just show this huge contrast between like what they what these people think and hope their lives are going to be and what their lives are after this huge struggle that Howard has had with this gambling addiction and this like hole that he's dug himself and honestly all of these characters in and I think that like maybe like one more scene like that would have driven the point home more but I do see what they were going with at the ending um yeah I I totally agree with what you're saying about uh the everybody everybody he's connected to you know looking forward to the next time they're they're gonna see him and then the they're I think the safties they're just trying to play into the tragedy of of his death because you know people are relying on him people care about him and they think perhaps good has come and well it's it's up to the audience to imagine uh how they're gonna react when they discover Howard's death um back to your point Zach um about uh about about the ending I did appreciate them setting up a moment where you think everything might turn out well because in theory I think that should make his death more uh, emotionally resonant um but it, it like it it just didn't for me because I felt like things didn't really change uh with his death uh you know, as I mentioned before, it just seemed like part of a bigger picture when, for the whole movie, Howard was the portrait. How Howard Howard was the picture, the really sole focus of, of the film. So I thought that was just an odd transition. And I also agree with Eric that I think another scene to to show the, the impact of his death would have, you know, made your, your heart... A little you know tug on the heartstrings a little more but ultimately I think the Safdies were going for an emotional ending and it didn't really land it just felt like another piece in their stressful puzzle uh, which I don't know I, I would just wish it had been something more like good time where they took a moment to breathe at the end and reflect really on on the consequences of of what had just gone down obviously Howard dies and that's a consequence but I never really got the sense that there was any reflection on that that we were supposed to take away anything from that I I didn't get that feeling maybe because it just ended so quickly after his death but yeah it left me colder than I feel it should have yeah, I feel like the point of the ending that they have right now is just this complete, just their complete commitment to this stress, this stressful tone and fast pace that they've created. That I that I think they did better in this film than they did in Good Time. I think. Hmm. I think it. I don't necessarily think it needed to like I think what they hoped for was that the stress that it caused combined with that short enough instance of that final shot would um 
would be a message enough in this, what they described as this, like, sort of mythic film. Um, but I, I just I just don't know if it translated enough. Um, it is, I think it does achieve the fact that it's still, it feels like it's still fast-paced at the ending, and I think that threw me a little off, and I, I don't know, I'm still not sure exactly how I feel about it. All right. Well... Uh, let's talk about any kind of last things we want to say about this film before we, you know, review it overall. Uh, is there anything that stuck out to you? Anything you really liked otherwise in the film? Anything? My that... favorite section was honestly just like the entire like between the first and second act as he's realizing like oh sh- oh like oh crap like KG sells the opal like his he like gets. I think my favorite scene overall is when he gets beat up in the car at his um at his family's um at his at his daughter's like school play. It combines like the closed, confined, um huge, really stressful, like crazily lit scenes that the softies are known for with this added threat that we don't really get throughout the rest of the film of his family is there and they sort of have an inkling of what he's been up to, but they don't really know, and this is, like, that chance. Um, I think those sections. Also, the, um, I think the auction is just really well done. I think it, I think that scene's so funny. I, I agree. The auction is probably one of my favorite parts as well. The, the movie, while being inherently, you know, stressful and anxiety-inducing, has some very funny it's just moments. Like, it feels so cool, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. Caleb, is there anything that stuck out to you? Anything good or bad that you just is very memorable? Uh, uh yeah, the, the auction I loved. Uh my favorite scene though <laughs> was the the door jam sequence. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. Uh when <laughs> when when Kevin Garnett is trapped in between uh the, the entrance and exit of, of Howard's shop and it's it's crazy how <laughs> how how tense the the Safdie brothers made this moment where someone's just trying to open a door and there's not really a time crunch. It's not like you know it's not like in a movie where like a bomb's about to go off and they have to go in there and defuse it. It's it's just you know Kevin Garnett's trying to trying to enter the store and and, and that's it. And somehow they make it. Life or death, almost it feels it in in its stakes, uh, which is just really well done. Honestly, I'd say that is from what for in my memory right now, uh, I would go out on a limb and call that the most thrilling sequence of 2019. It it was very I, <laughs> it was funny, but also yeah, I I did feel like you're like. Oh, he can almost things can almost work out, but he's like some, another thing is preventing it. It was almost comical at this point, like how much had been kind of screwing him over, even though you knew it was himself. It, in this moment, it was it was something as small as a door not working, and I did find that also one of the best great. posters of the year. Like, I, I agree, it's very nice, very minimalistic. I I, I loved it as well. Um, it it is very nice looking. All right, well, um. Let's give our kind of final impression and and rating. You know, it was I found it hard when really thinking about this movie because it, <laughs> to me, I really want to rewatch this movie. There's certain movies I'm like, I need to see this. 
for me, the reason I want to rewatch this is to see one, does it hold up in the second viewing? And two, it's, it was so fast. Like I felt like it, it went by so quickly that trying to kind of zoom in to one piece is very hard for me to do. At least I'm like, man, like it was just like, it felt like a lot to go through. Like it was very stress in, uh, inducing. So, um, yeah, uh, you guys ready to do our last impressions? I guess I'll start. Um, overall, I uh, really like this movie. Um, I have to say, like I said before, it was Adam Sandler's best performance by far, in my opinion, from what I've seen. Um, I really love, you know, I, I would call this movie a thriller in the sense that, you know, it is, you are on the edge of your seat from the beginning, and you you really, you can't stop hoping and thinking about Howard's future and how he's going to get out of this mess and and will he and in the back of your mind you're you're not as optimistic as Howard is you know you you're not feeling the sense that everything's going to end right and towards the end I really love the kind of bait and switch they do where you kind of feel like for once you're like wow I'm proud of him you know in a weird sense you know you're like he did it like it worked out. Everything is going to be okay. And then for them to just kind of pull the rug out from underneath you is just, was to me, very sudden. You know, the weight of it, I'm not sure of yet, but I, I did find it very compelling. Um, and overall, I, I thought this movie did a great job of just having a balance between being, like, very stressful, but at the same time, like, making me really think about everything that was happening along the way and think about Howard as a person. And I also like to say that there were some really good performances from actors who had never acted before. Um, uh, the woman who plays Julia, I forgot her name. Julia. Her name is Julia. Uh, yeah, I Julia know Fox. <laughs> Julia Fox. did a, I thought she did a good job. Um, Kevin Garnett, honestly, did a very like great job in his role. Great teeth. Uh, great teeth. <laughs> Crazy teeth. <laughs> very white. The real gems. <laughs> I, I thought overall, you know, there it, it was it was casted very well, and I was very impressed by everyone's performance, and uh, especially some scenes like they were talking about on stage, like you know when he was kind of getting stripped down the car and things like that. I found those scenes to be very, in an odd way, fun. Like I found like you're like, holy crap, like this is happening. So. I'm going to give this movie, um, and I just kind of put it on Letterboxd a second ago. I haven't written my review yet, but a four and a half star rating. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, Zach said it was oddly fun. I'm just going to flat out say this is like probably some of the most fun I've had all year in the theater. Um, I think the softies have outdid themselves. I, I really am not as critical of the end simply because I think it just – adds to this experience so that this whole movie is just this fast-paced extravaganza that just it's just tension all the way through um i cannot wait to rewatch this i i think it's just really really strong um and it could go up but as of now it's four stars i think the the safties do a great job of building mood building character but I don't feel like it culminates in anything transcendent uh, like Zach and Eric said it, it is a lot of fun 
you definitely, you know, feel yourself tighten up uh, during during watching the movie, which is just a testament to how well it's made. But I'm not sure it's going to really stay with me very long. I give Uncut Gems three and a half stars. All right. Overall, pretty pretty close across the board. I mean, it was definitely a decrease as we went, but uh, <laughs> I think I originally pre- I think I predicted the opposite. I think I predicted that Eric would be a three and a half and you would be a, a four. And I think that was only in respect because I think that's what you gave it on. Or I I I went in terms oh, of your good, good time. time. I thought if 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 Eric liked good times less than Caleb, perhaps he would like this. I think also it worked against less. you because I think. I, before going into the theater, I was like, I think I'd, like, purposefully, like, tried to, like, tone my expectations down. Interesting. Even though I really liked Good Time. Well, and maybe, you know, maybe in Caleb's aspect, Caleb was, Caleb, who really liked um, Good Time perhaps more, was probably expecting, not expecting, but you you, you probably were looking for it to surpass it. Sure. I I definitely had, had had high hopes. Yeah. Either way, uh, definitely, you know, we're going to be talking about our favorite films of 2019, and I... and I This will certainly be among them. Yes, even though yes. It, it's just a fun movie, and it's yeah. just um, one of the most entertaining times I've had at a, at a movie in a long time, I agree with Eric, and overall, um, great performance by Adam Sandler, and uh, second great film by the Safdie Brothers, I guess I'll have to get to good time now. If anyone was wondering, I forgot my Punch Drunk Love Blu-ray to the screening. Yeah, he could have got Adam Sandler to sign it. He had a swarm of people after the movie. That was pretty crazy. All right, well, uh, our next episode we're going to be doing uh, is going to be uh, our... It is Best of 2019. Best of 2019, and then we will be doing an episode that is our Best of the Decade for... More like Decade Appreciation, yeah, yeah. I'd say. I, definitely not Best of the Decade, I should, I should say. It's just going to be a, kind of a few of our notable films that we... I don't know. Some are underappreciated. Some we just want to kind of point to as. There will be a lot more just go with it appreciation. <laughs> so stay tuned. <laughs> if you want a full two-hour best of the decade episode on La La Land, we're more than happy. <laughs> uh, I know. I definitely, I definitely know that we could make a two-hour podcast on La La Land. Um, we're gonna definitely be talking about uncut gems again when we talk about uh, the 2019 uh, best of. And perhaps we'll be talking about it in, you know, a few in a month ish when we talk about Oscar nominations and things like that. So with that, though, uh, we want to thank you guys for listening today and we will see you next time. Adios. Have a blessed Eve. It's morning. <laughs> <laughs>